Oh, what, amen. What an amazing message was given to Ahaz by the prophet Isaiah. He was told, a virgin shall conceive. We, and, and the prophecy was, he will be called Emmanuel, God with us. Our series this month is Emmanuel. And we're going to talk about exactly what that means and I will be speaking this morning about specifically about Emmanuel, born of a virgin. The promise to Ahaz, it's, it's difficult to understand whether it was something that would also be fulfilled in that day, and how could that be? But it is very clear that it is a prophecy of the coming of the Christ child, the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. And what does that mean to us? Not just theologically, and I will be a bit theological. I mean, I'm a pastor. I'm preaching the Bible. I should be. But I'm also going to be a bit practical for us. What does that virgin birth mean to us? Well, for one thing, it means, the word Emmanuel means, God with us. That is, that the God who dwells in heaven, the God who created the universe, also came down to live with us. His virgin birth, however, I need you to understand this. I said I'm going to be just a little bit theological. His virgin birth was not the beginning of Jesus Christ. That's not, you know, when I was born, I was not known, I did not exist. I was conceived in my mother's womb. And it's very clear that life begins at conception. There, there is no arguing with the Bible about that. There may be argument politically, but there is not, no arguing with the Word of God that life begins at conception. My life began when I was conceived in my mother's womb, and then I was born, and we celebrate, well, I, okay, I celebrate um, my birthday each year, the date on which I was born. But Jesus was different. Jesus always has been. Kids especially, I want you to get this. When you think about the Christ child and his birth, don't think about that this is the beginning of the Son of God. Jesus existed with God and as God before he was conceived in the womb of the virgin and before he was born. The Bible says in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word. Now that term, was the word, that means continually existing. He did not come into being. In the beginning of all creation, He already was. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was God from the very foundations of the earth from the foundations of eternity. It says, He was in the beginning 
with God. He was pre-existent. I, I just think it's important when we talk about being born of a virgin, you don't think that he's like us, that that's the beginning of his existence. In fact, he prayed in John chapter 17. Jesus prayed to his Father and said, And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence, get this, with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. The pre-existence of Christ is something that is very important that we understand. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He pre-existed. He was with God in the beginning. But the time came when He took on flesh and He dwelt among us. I especially like that word, dwelt, because a literal translation of that word would be, the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. The word tabernacle has sort of an idea of dwell down, live down. That is, you, you put down stakes and you put up a tent, and that's where you live. And, you know, I lived for a lot of years in the state of Florida, and in Florida, we, have, we had what you call snowbirds. Those are people who live up north where it's cold during the winter months. But then they move, you know, they, they come south like the snowbirds. They, they come south for the winter for the cold weather to escape the snow and the ice. And most of them had a house in Florida. You have the same thing in McAllen, same deal. Snowbirds come, and they have a house down here. A house down here is what that word means. God is the God of heaven, but all of a sudden He doesn't just live in heaven. He has a dwelling down here. He came in flesh and blood and dwelled among us. And so Emmanuel means God with us. And the wonderful message of Christmas is that God is not just a God up there, some faraway place in heaven. He is a God who chose to come live with us down here. He is a God who can be known, who can know you. He is a God that you can meet and you can be with because of the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. That term, Emmanuel, also can mean to us, God like us. It's not just God with us. Because He came <clears throat> and was born in the flesh, <clears throat> He is also a God like us says in Philippians chapter 2 about Christ and His willingness to take on Himself limitation. He said, Christ Jesus, who, who though He was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, that is, tightly held on to, but emptied Himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. He was willing. He was God and He is God. He never stopped 
being God, but he was willing to take upon himself flesh and blood so that he could be like us. I, I suspect that none of us have a clear idea of just how strange a transition and just how great of a step down that was for, for the God of heaven to take on the limitation of flesh and blood. But he had to do that to be like us. He was flesh and blood like us, but because he was born of a virgin, he was sinless. You see, he was, as Genesis 3.15 talks about, the seed of the woman. In the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve sinned and God came and spoke with them, he pronounced a curse upon the man that he would have to work by the sweat of his brow. He placed a curse upon the ground that it would grow before where it grew bountifully. All of a sudden, there would be disease, there would be thorns and thistles. He placed a curse upon the woman that she would have pain in childbirth. He placed a curse upon the serpent that he would crawl on the ground for all of his days. But then there is a prophecy in Genesis 3.15 that of the seed of the woman that the serpent would give him a minor injury. He would bite his heel. But that the seed of the woman would crush the serpent's head. That's talking about the resurrection from the dead. But notice that it is the seed of the woman. Now, we know about conception and about childbirth that a child is conceived in the mother's womb by the seed of the man. Now, you men, I have bad news for you. It is that seed of the father that carries the sin nature. That is something that's taught in Scripture, that we inherit our sin nature from our fathers. Dad, does that make you feel real good about what you've given your children? You've, you've passed on your sin nature. Not just because you've sinned, but because you were also born a sinner. But listen, Jesus Christ did not have an earthly father. He indeed inherited the lack of sin from His Father, His Heavenly Father. You understand, I hope, that that was absolutely necessary that He not have a sin nature. If Jesus was a sinner, then He is completely like us and He cannot save us. He would have to die for His own sin. But because He is perfect and He is sinless, born of a virgin, He inherited no sin nature from His Father because His Father was the God of heaven. That is a huge thing. You understand, I hope, that He could not save us unless He was born of a virgin. And in fact, He can save us because He has no sin nature. Listen to me, speaking specifically to you right now. You need to understand, 
you must believe in the virgin birth of Jesus Christ or you cannot be saved. You see, if you don't believe that he was born of a virgin, you say, well, that's too miraculous. I just can't accept that. If you cannot accept that miracle, you just robbed Jesus Christ of his deity. You've just said he's not God. And if he's not God, he cannot save you. And if you do not believe that he is God, you cannot be saved. That's just how important the virgin birth is to us. He came to be like us, but without sin. But he, came, he became like us so he could redeem us. In Galatians chapter 4, when the fullness of time had come, that is, the right time on, on God's time schedule. God sent forth His Son, born of a woman. That's different. You say, well, we're all born of women. No, we're born of man and woman. He was born of a woman, born under the law, that is, sinless, so that He could redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive the adoption as sons. You see, there is a principle in the Scripture of the kinsman redeemer. That's the beautiful message of the book of Ruth. Uh, but that's a, another sermon for a, another day. But the message of Ruth is the message of Boaz, who was a kinsman. And because he was a kinsman, he was able to redeem Ruth. That, that is the message of salvation, that Christ had to become flesh and blood like us. No angel could die for us to redeem us. God Himself could not redeem us without that principle of a kinsman redeemer. God had to come in flesh, flesh and blood, to be like us so that He could redeem us through His death. And then again, the wonderful message of Christmas is that God is not just with us. He is like us. He was born of a virgin so that He could save us. There is another message about that being like us. The Bible says, that he was tempted in all points, like as we, yet without sin. That means God can understand you. Jesus knows how you feel. When you're tempted, when you're discouraged, when you're sad, when you're frustrated, Jesus suffered through every temptation that you suffer, but without giving in to it. And so he, un he understands. He is our Redeemer. Because He became like us. The word Emmanuel also can mean to us this morning, God with us, God like us, and God in us. God in us. You see, there is a, a parallel of how the, the Spirit of God moved on Mary and how the Spirit of God works in us. A valid question that one might ask about the virgin birth is how can one be born of a virgin? 
Even Mary asks the same question. I mean, we know how it works, right? How can a baby be born if there is no father and if the mother has not been with a man? That is a valid question. By the way, it's, I think it's sort of cool that the guy who answered that question in the Bible was a medical doctor, uh, Dr. Luke. I'm quite sure that Dr. Luke was very familiar with how babies are made. And some of you, because I just said that, may have to have conversations with your children today about how babies are made. But Luke understood very well. And so he answered the question very specifically how, and, and even Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? The literal trance, I have not known a man in the biblical sense of knowing. I'm a virgin. How can that be? And Luke recorded the words of the angel as he exp explained, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High, that is, in the presence of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy the Son of God. The Spirit of God is going to come, Mary, and He is going to overshadow you. Now, we don't read into that anything dirty or explicit, and we don't even know for sure when that happened. Some say that it happened at the very moment that the angel was speaking. Uh, it's in the future tense, and so I suspect that it happened sometime shortly later, but but that's all speculation. We don't know. What we do know is that at some point, the Holy Spirit of God overshadowed, came upon Mary in, in some special way, and the Holy Spirit planted a seed in the womb of a woman who had never known a man. And because it was the ministry and the work of the Holy Spirit, the seed that was planted was a holy seed. And the Bible says that that makes that therefore very important. We always say you need to think about what the therefore is there for. And it means because this was a work of the Spirit of God and because the seed that was planted was the holy seed of God, the child that would be born from that would be called holy and would be called the Son of God. That's, that's a very clear explanation. When somebody doubts the virgin birth, you can give an explanation. Oh wait, this is how it happened. This was an act, a miraculous act of the power of God and of the Holy Spirit. Spirit of God, and that's how the child that was born of a virgin was holy and without sin, the Messiah, the Son of God. What I'm trying to say to you, though, is when you think about that, this is a message that's often missed in the Christmas message, that the Spirit of God does something parallel, not the same, maybe, not, I don't know, maybe you would say not even similar, but I think about the Holy Spirit of God overshadowing 
Mary and planting the seed of God. And I think about how we're born again. You see, Nicodemus came to Jesus. Jesus said to Nicodemus, You must be born from above. Now, I know that it's translated again, and that is, in fact, you have to understand, the same Greek word meant from above or from the top as again. If, if Aaron is reading music, and he says, let's take it from the top, that means you do it again. The same word has that same meaning. It can be from above, or it can be again. Jesus said, and I believe this was His meaning, man, you need to be born from above by the Spirit of God. Nicodemus thought he meant born again and said, well, how can I go into my mother's womb and be born a second time? You know, I'm very visual, but I can just see Jesus shaking His head when Nicodemus said that. He said, no, man, you don't understand. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water, that is talking about the watery birth of a child from the mother's womb. We were all born physically from the mother's waters and the Spirit. Not just born physically, but be born spiritually. Born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And here's the parallel with the water and the Spirit. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Now all of us have been born of the flesh. Or you wouldn't be here. But in order to go to heaven, in order to enter the kingdom of God, you have to also be born of the Spirit of God. Here's how that happens. When the Word of God is preached and you hear the Word of God, whether it is one-on-one or one-on-two-hundred, when when you hear the Word of God, the Spirit of God begins to speak to your spirit. And if you are willing and you call on Christ for salvation, immediately, you're not just overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, you are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God moves in you so that when God looks at you, He no longer sees your sin. He sees the holiness of the Spirit of God. And in fact, that is almost like a seed because the Bible talks about that when we're saved, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. And we are holy in God's sight. When He looks at you and you've been saved, He does not see your sin. He sees the Spirit of God. Jesus was born of the Spirit so that He could put His Spirit within us. And we are holy in God's sight because the Holy Spirit of God dwells in us. He looks at you, and He doesn't see all the bad things you've done. He looks at you, and He sees the holiness of the Spirit of God. You see, it is God with us. It is God like us, and it is God in us. Emmanuel. Then, 
perhaps the most difficult to recognize of all of these. And I, I really believe that this is a message that is often missed in the Christmas story, and that is God through us. God through us. You see, part of the miracle of the virgin birth is that God used a human being for His Son to be born. That was necessary for God to be both, for Jesus to be both God and man. He was God, He is God. He was and He is man. But the thing is, think about that. Think about being Mary. Hail thou who art highly favored. God chose you for something special and He wants to use you, Mary. The message of Christmas is that God uses human beings. He used Mary to birth the Christ child. It means that God uses people. People like you. People like me. His created ones to accomplish His purposes. He has chosen to work through us. That means, my friend, He wants to work through you. He has a purpose for your life. He has gifted you in special ways. And He expects you to use those gifts that He's given you, those abilities for His honor and His glory. To work in this church, to work through this church, to the community, to work with people around you, to minister in the name of Jesus Christ to your friends and family. God wants to work through you. You have a choice, just as Mary did. Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Would you mind if I change that scripture just a little bit? I don't mean to do injustice to it, but think about this. Let it be through me according to your word. See, that's the choice. You have a choice today. God wants to work through you. Don't listen. Sometimes we sit in services and we think that the preacher's talking to everybody else except me. And I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to sitting there to throw the sermon over your shoulder to somebody behind you because I'm talking to you. I'm saying to you that God wants to use you, every one of you. But He will not do that against your will. He gives you a choice. Just like He will not save you without you making a choice for Him. And that's very true. Listen, God wants you to be saved. He wanted that badly enough that He sent His Son Jesus Christ to be born of a virgin, to live a sinless life, and to die on a cruel cross so that He could save you. But that salvation is your choice. You have to come to Him. It's not enough for mom and dad to do that. They can't do that for you. Your friends, your family can't do that for you. You personally have to make that decision to come to Christ 
to receive Him as Savior. Repent of your sins. Admit, I'm lost. I can't be good enough to make it to heaven. To trust in Christ. That is a choice that you will have to make. But there's another choice after you've been saved. God wants you to live for Him. He wants you to serve Him. He wants to work through you. Just like He worked through Mary, He wants to work through you. There are some of you, under the sound of my voice, who need to be saved. You need to do that. You need to come to Christ. You need to pray forgiveness of sin. You need to pray believing in Jesus. You need to ask Christ to come into your heart and to save you. There are others under the sound of my voice who need to be baptized. You need to follow the Lord. Now, that won't make you any more saved than calling on Christ for salvation, but it'll make you more obedient because that's what He expects of you. And if you have not followed Him in baptism after believing, you're not obedient, and you need to become obedient. You need to follow Christ. Some of you need to become a member of Faith Baptist Church. You need to come, present yourself for membership, and to work in this church, and allow God to work through you. Whatever God's message is for you today, whatever it is that He wants you to do, may you hear His voice, not just mine, but may you hear His voice speaking powerfully to you in this moment. And may you surrender to His will. I want to pray for us, and then we'll go on with the service.